Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. Welcome to the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods. Putting STEM into every classroom every day. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Woods, and you can find me on Twitter at Daily STEM. And my goal is to really help you find those people who are looking for those creative ways to add STEM to your everyday classroom, that science, technology, engineering, and math aspects. And today we get to chat with Lori Green. You may know her as Mrs. Geeky. You can find her on on the internet at mrsgeeky.com or on Twitter at the Mrs. Geeky. Welcome to the show, Lori. Thank you for having me. I am so excited because you are going all around the country. Uh, You're going to maker fairs, ed tech conferences, going into schools and helping with PD. And you just have a lot of great insight as, as from all of your years of, in education and technology. So I can't wait to give our audience some, some great ideas that you've got. Lori, why don't you tell us about, about your journey in education so far? Yeah, it's kind of a circuitous uh, way that I got there. My undergrad um, is from The Ohio State University. In I know you're, you're from Michigan, but uh, I got a degree in business. And uh, during, when I was getting the degree, I did take a class in Fortran. Okay. Wow. Fortran. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But, you know, and I really enjoyed the class, but I never saw at that time, you know, what I could do for that with that as a career. So anyway, got my business degree, went to Rockwell and wound up working in contracts and pricing. And it just happened that the um, contracts I was working on were very technical. And I had an engineering uh, person that worked with me on them that thought, well, if you're going to negotiate these contracts, you have to understand how all this stuff works. And at the time, it was GPS in its infancy. So oh, wow. Back then, we go in the black box and watch it all hook up and everything. And <laughs> At any rate, but all of a sudden, everything started to click for me. The programming, the, the science, the math, like, you know, how you say in school, when am I ever going to use this? Yeah, now exactly. I saw how I was going to use it. And I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. And I somewhat kind of slighted that I didn't get to see some of these opportunities in high school or even in college that I could do something like that. So I took a year off and went back to school and got my teaching degree. And um, shortly after I got in the classroom, somebody put an Apple IIe in my class and I went back and got my master's in technology education because I just really loved all the things it could do. And I guess the rest was history. And my goal really thinking back to my experience at Rockwell was to make sure that every girl gets exposed to the STEM disciplines so they can see that that's a possible career as well. I know not all of them are going to be, but I want to make sure they all get that exposure at some point in their education career. Yeah. So you had not only that background in education, but you also saw that technology, all those STEM type of careers in live and in person. And and that's such a huge benefit for a teacher that sometimes teachers often miss. Yeah, I was immersed in it for about five years. So before I switched to me, went into education. So So yeah, so if an educator, you know, maybe hasn't seen some of those things that they're, they're really missing out on, like you said, being able to answer that question for the kids that when am I ever going to use this anyway? Yeah, and I was very fortunate. I grew up in a household where um, my dad worked in aerospace. And just as a side note, I remember um, as a 12 year old kid going to the mock up of something called a space shuttle which wow. was in Rockwell's eye. And, uh, and sure enough, you know, I got to see the space shuttle from the time it was a, uh, a mock-up to all the flights to then the retirement of the program. So wow. 
And that was fascinating to me. Wow, that is fascinating to me. How, how cool, you know, a story like that to be able to, to share with your students. And, and again, it's just looking for that, looking for that STEM that's, that's around us every day. I, I love one of, the, one of the quotes that you wrote in a, in a blog post. And again, we're chatting with Lori Green. And again, you can find her at mrsgeeky.com or at the Mrs. Geeky on Twitter. One of those things that you wrote in the blog post was about STEM and curriculum, right? Right. And I, I like to say to people, you know, find the STEM in your curriculum, not the curriculum for STEM, because STEM is in every single discipline when we look at it. And I would like to give you an example. When I was a technology coordinator a few years ago at Buckeye Local Schools in Medina, Ohio, I worked with a music teacher and we took the Lego robotic kits and the students made uh, different musical instruments. A lot of them made little mallets that would hit a xylophone. Based on that, some kids made something that would uh, hit a triangle, a drum and so forth. And that led to um, creating the first, uh, I told them the first robotic orchestra. Um, <laughs> they premiered, uh, it was the 50th anniversary that year of Sound of Music. So the kids, and they would come before school and after school, programmed their robots to play Do Re Mi. And the music teacher worked it into the music program for the winter program. And so yes. by halfway the program, instead of singing, the kids came out with their robots them up and, you know, press play and then stood back and their robots played do re mi on the various musical instruments. And wow. that just goes to show that, that you can find it in any discipline and integrate it or emphasize it. Yeah. So, and again, if, if things like that are not maybe natural for a teacher to notice or find, just talking to somebody in your school that is interested in music and say, hey, where have you seen STEM intersect with music or STEM intersect with history in my classroom? Well, another thing we wound up doing with the music, but also with language arts, <clears throat> the kids wound up doing the stop action motion of a famous explorer. So they had to create a little video uh, with their Legos and stop mm -hmm. action motion of what the video, what the video, sorry about that, what the explorer was known for. Uh -huh. And then in music class, they had to write music to go with it from that time period. Wow. And we did that in GarageBand, I believe we did. Yeah, I think we did GarageBand, and then we exported it into the movie. And then at the end, we had a little film festival. Now, you're the technology person in your district, so you were able to, you know, be able to be comfortable with all those types of programs and processes. And not every teacher is comfortable with those things. Right. We were lucky that I could go in and work with them and kind of be a guide on the side. And I'm always running around with a gazillion ideas. So <laughs> They have to stop me too because it gets a little crazy. Right. But, yeah. but again, looking for whoever is in your district or, or having someone like you, Lori Green, come in from the outside and, and show teachers what are some things that you can do? What are those possibilities that really make things click, make it, make it come alive for kids to help them to be creative thinkers? Exactly. Now, you've done a lot of different things with um, a lot of different companies like Makey Makey and different things like that. Tell us about some of those different kind of robotics and technology programs that are really, really amazing for kids. Oh, gosh, there's so many out there. And uh, it's not one size fits all. I think you have to look at your curriculum and see what's going to be a good fit for you. And mm -hmm. what's have a lot of, um, what do I want to say, flexibility going across the grade bands. So, oh, yeah. Right. So you could use, gosh, an NXT or I guess it's an EB3 now, maybe that's a good fit where you could start at a young age and have that 
uh, scaffold up, or maybe you want to use something like a Terrapin logo and use that to do programming for, uh, with robotics, and that might be able to scaffold, and you can look at their products and see what works for your, your district. Makey Makey, as you know, goes with Scratch, and you can build upon Scratch with that and create all kinds of stuff. There's so many great things out there. Um, trying to think one of the other ones that I really like. Oh, Edison Robotics, that's another one I, I like, because it's very, um, as Seymour Papert would say, no ceiling, no basement. Okay. Uh, I really look for those things where I can really be flexible with how I integrate them. Yeah. Those, again, those ways to be creative and, and blend it into any kind of classroom, any kind of discipline, any kind of subject. That's, that's so important, Lori, as, as teachers are, are looking at these products, they're saying, I see all these things for sale at a conference that I went to and everything looks great, but everything's right. expensive. And now sometimes I'll tell teachers, once you find something you really like and you're comfortable with, put some blinders on and grow what you have rather than wait, now there's this and now there's that. Because usually what you have, you can really stretch and use in a variety of ways. But the, the key is finding what's going to work for your district, what you're comfortable with, and finding that thing that can cross a lot of grade bands that you can scaffold. That's such a, a, a good thought there. To, when you find that something that works good in your classroom, works good with your age kids, to, like you said, to put those blinders on and just get really good at using that and finding those other ways to use it in, in your own classroom before saying, I figured this out, I'm going to go get another thing. Right, and I've seen that happen. And the other thing I would advise is before you even go shopping for that, that one that's going to fit in your district or a couple of items is mm -hmm. make a list. What, what is my end game? I want the kids what to be creative. I want them to learn a little programming. I'd like something that's flexible, or maybe you only want something for an after school program that will compete in a competition, but definitely make your list and then go shopping, you know, yeah. and see what fits. And, and sometimes we kind of flip that script. We, we do the shopping first. We say, Ooh, this looks bright and shiny and, and brand new. And, I'll say easily, I get at least two calls a week where a district will call and say, Mrs. Geeky, I just got a grant, and what should I buy for my makerspace? And I'm like, whoa, back the train on up. Just because yep. you have a makerspace now doesn't mean you have to buy everything. Let's see what right. your end goal is. Let's yeah. look at all the pieces and parts that are going into this first and then see what things you might need. Now, you've, you've done you know, so many different types of different things with, with robots in the classroom and technology in the classroom, and, and you've shared some, some really cool ideas. Um, another cool idea? What's, oh, what's the other thing? Oh, my favorite is don't put the wheels on until the end of the year. And oh. people look at me and they gasp. And I say, well, once you put the wheels on a robot, the kids think of battle bots and they think of competitions. But if you keep the wheels off and you think about what is a robot, a robot is something that does an automated task. So we made robots that played a xylophone, an automated task. It didn't have wheels. Maybe you want to make a conveyor belt. Maybe you want to make something that emulates a golf swing. Um, think about the things you're studying in the classroom and build something off of that. But once you put the wheels on, the kids start to look at that robot in a different way. But with the wheels off, you can really see the possibilities and the ways you can integrate it across the curriculum. Uh, years ago, and the first robot I programmed was the yellow NXT, which you probably don't know. You're too young. But, <laughs> <laughs> or um, RCX. I'm sorry. Yellow RCX. Anyway, there was a program we would do where we would build a merry-go-round and a bumper car. We'd create an amusement park with these little... Oh, yeah. RCXs. Well, of course, the bumper car had little wheels on it, but the merry-go-round didn't, and the little spooky ride did not that we built. And so it had gears, and uh, we talked about gearing up and gearing down, and then we could do ratios and fractions and all kinds oh, yeah. of stuff. 
Those are some great ideas, Lori. And, and again, just that idea of keeping the wheels off or figuring out how to take the wheels off carefully so that you can put them back on. Yes. Um, that's, a, that's a great idea for, for any educator out there who's got something that moves around like that. Everything always goes well too, right? Uh, you've never seen anything fail in the classrooms that you've done? Oh, let me think. Yeah. <laughs> Everything from batteries not working or running down to sometimes the kids got a little too focused on one little part and then we had trouble moving them along. Yeah. But you know, even when things, we talk about things not going well, I find that as a teaching opportunity. So when things don't go well, the first thing I'll ask the kids is, well, okay, how can we fix this? How can we make this better together? And I don't even have the answer, but together we can figure it out. And that's one of the um, key things we need to always be telling our students is that as a group, we can solve things. Yeah. And that perseverance aspect where if a kid, it doesn't work the first time and now, now there's no batteries, you know, and we got to figure something else out and how do we make it work and keep on going. Yeah, because I think sometimes the kids are so used to instantaneous response or instant feedback and yeah. just teaching that, like you said, perseverance. And then, then when it really works and that aha moment happens, boy, they, they oh. really remember that. Yeah, yeah. And think through how many of the different inventions of robots in our world, they don't happen on the first try. That, no. That's such an important skill for our kids to be learning besides just all those, you know, standards and content skills, the, those right. real soft skills as well. So. Yeah, and I think that's where makerspaces are very helpful, too, to provide those environments for that invention and open-endedness. Yeah. So um, let me let me ask you again. We're chatting with Lori Green, uh, MrsGeeky.com. You can find her there. And, and she loves to come and uh, work at maker fairs and ed tech conferences and different school PD options and things like that to really help educators figure out how to use, like you said, you know, in a lot of these things, how to use that technology that's, that's there. Um, why, why does STEM really work so well in the classroom? Why do these things kind of just, just make the lights go on and the aha moments happen? Well, you know, I think going back to uh, what I said a little earlier is that, you know, find the STEM in your curriculum, not the curriculum for STEM. Kids love to create. Kids love to imagine. And that doesn't end in kindergarten. And in fact, in Mitch Resnick's book, A Lifelong Kindergarten, he begs the question, mm -hmm. why in kindergarten do we have all these neat opportunities to be creative? We have centers we can move around to. And then all of a sudden we start teaching in silos when we start to get in first, second, and third grade. Why can't we continue to teach that way? Because kids get so excited. Yeah. And so having those opportunities, and especially those that incorporate tools that uh, are engineering and technology related, um, really empower the kids to further their creativity and their imagination. So you can take any subject matter and incorporate the right tools and provide that environment for learning. Because really that's our job. Seymour Papert, I might have mentioned earlier, says, you know, the job of the teacher is to provide the conditions for creativity, I think it is, or invention, not the ready-made answer. Yeah. And, and we're not just trying to just get science and math into the kid. That, that technology, that engineering, that engineering really helps to draw out all that creativity that, that works for those kids. And, you know, uh, going back again to that point that we find it in every uh, subject matter, language arts. I was at a conference a few months ago, and one of the gentlemen speaking was he in solving the Unabomber case. He kind of, I guess, led the charge in lingu linguistic forensics. Oh, wow. Knowledge of the English language and then finding algorithms of the way that Ted Kaczynski wrote and looking for patterns. And then they wound up coding his different patterns in, all his manif in his manifesto. And that's engineering technology, too. So wow. using language as an application. That's a, 
that's that's a mind blowing idea right there. I never even would have thought of things like that. I mean, yeah, they had all his uh, manifesto highlighted and coded and numbered to different patterns, and then finding the algorithms and trying to match it to other writings that yeah. might have been related to his. Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess kind of along that same vein, if you've ever seen the movie Arrival, where, you know, it's kind of the alien civilization that comes and they have to figure out how to communicate and, and they're using all these technology aspects, but it really breaks it down to how does language work? Yeah. So we talk about um, STEM and all the different disciplines. And several months ago, I saw a special or a, a piece on CBS morning show on Sunday morning. And they talked about a gentleman named Garrett Morgan. He invented something called the Steadicam. Now, Garrett Morgan is a musician and a cameraman, typically, but he invented the Steadicam. And the Steadicam, if you've ever seen the movie The Shining, where there's a little boy riding his uh, big wheel, and it looks like you are going right behind him, even. You're not looking from up you know, on top down or from side to side. It's as if you're with him moving. And oh, the same wow. thing in the movie Rocky, when you're going up the stairs, it's like you're with Rocky and the camera stays perfectly steady. Well, he invented that technology. And when you hear him talk about it, he doesn't just talk about it from an artistic point of view. He talks about the engineering behind it, all the science behind it. And I think, now here's a guy that was very artsy, a musician and so forth, but yet he invented something that applies the STEM principles and is now, I think he holds over 90 patents on related products. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm imagining there's a probably a good chance that at some point in his school career, he asked, when am I ever going to use this stuff? Right. And then he did. So that's a really good example. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of last quick questions here for you, Lori. Um, what do you hope STEM education looks like in the future? Oh gosh, I would love to walk into a classroom and just see, um, rather than kids getting up and leaving for math and kids getting up and going to their English class, that we really go back to that thematic, um, cross-curricular type of teaching. So I might go into a very large classroom and they might be in there for the whole day, but they might be working on a project that it's applying language arts, math, reading, science, technology, in, in a purposeful way, in a project-led way. Yeah, I think that... And where children are invested in that project, they have ownership on it. Oh, yeah. And that ownership piece is so important for a kid to, to have some value of that education as opposed to this is just something that I'm getting and I'm stuck here until I graduate. Right, right, exactly. And that the room um, mimics more of a, a space where kids do spread out and create and have different areas to to in, to work on things. Yeah, a little bit like like you were talking about in the lifelong kindergarten book by um, Mitch Resnick. So yes, yes. Um, one other last question here for you, uh, Lori. If you could uh, have dinner with somebody from STEM, past or present, who would you love to just sit down and and pick their brain and listen to? Hands down, it'd be Hedy Lamar. Uh, Hedy Lamar, then back to the arts and this cross curricular. Yeah, here was a famous movie actress, very artsy, but she also was a famous inventor and she held the patent for the technology that led to Bluetooth technology as we know it today. And yeah. interestingly enough, the co-author on that patent was uh, George Anfill, who was a uh, musician in his own right. So two very artsy people came up with the patent for technology that we use today. To, to, um, to actually to enjoy our music. That's right. <laughs> That's right. At the time, though, um, the Navy was very opposed to adopting their patent for this radio or this frequency or 
popping of signals um, because they didn't like things from the outside the naval you know group at that time so wow. it kind of sat there for a while that's, that's again those stories behind it. and again that's drawing that history aspect in and seeing what can you learn from from stem oh, and history yeah. and and even like you said an idea that somebody came up with and it sat for a bunch of years it might be the same thing with the kids in our classroom. They work on something that sets aside for a while and they might come back to it and say, oh, now I know what I want to do with this. And exactly. Like I took the Fortran and in, in my undergrad, kind of liked it, but didn't know what I could do with it. And now I just love to program and make things work. So. And again, uh, Lori Green, it's been great chatting with you. Again, you can find her on, on Twitter at the Mrs. Geeky or Mrs. Geeky.com. Any, any other last thoughts you want to share with us, Lori? Well, just remember it is chic to be geek. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and the nerd is the word. The nerd is, yeah, the nerd is the word. So right. very good. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, hopefully yeah. I will talk to you again soon. Yeah. And um, again, you can find Lori. Definitely check out all the things that she's doing. Connect with her. Uh, if you need some ideas, ask her. She, she loves to share the ideas. So, And I love to come out to schools. I can help you get started on your makerspace or get that maker mindset going. Um, help you with your robotics. I can come up. I can walk in and just look and find some ideas for you. They just kind of flow out. So, Yeah, that's, that's what all that experience. That's, and then, again, that's what we need. Uh, when we find that person that we know in our, in our circle, in our community, in our school that is experienced, with those kinds of technological aspects, those things that we don't know about, those STEM things, find them, learn from them, grow from them, and, and maybe someday we'll be the experts too. So, <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And again, thanks for listening to this episode of the STEM Everyday Podcast. You can find all the great podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Connect with me on Twitter at Daily STEM or on my website, dailystem.com, and we'll talk to you again next time. You're listening to this podcast on the ESDAC Broadcasting Network. To find more information about this or other podcast shows, please visit RemarkableChatter.com.